Uh, if you guys haven't met me yet, my name's Kristen. I am one of the youth pastors here at New Life. Uh, this is my first time preaching to strictly a camera. <laughs> Uh, so this is just an interesting experience, but I'm really happy to be able to be here talking to all of you today. Uh, today I have an interesting topic that kind of came to me about what to talk to you guys about, and it's this topic of spoiled kids. And before you think of my kids as spoiled kids, this isn't a reflection on them, <laughs> but I was really inspired by it as I realized that sometimes we can be like spoiled kids. Um, God, as we know, is our father and we are his children, and so sometimes I think we get a little bit in that kind of a mindset, and so I wanted to talk about that to you guys today. Uh, if you've ever seen spoiled kids before, maybe you've been at a park, or like this has happened to me multiple times, where you've seen people trying to get, like poor parents, like trying to get their kids to leave a park, and their kids are kicking and screaming and throwing a bit of a tantrum, and the parents just look so embarrassed, and I just want to be like, oh, I'm it's okay, like, we've all experienced that. Um, but sometimes it also makes you wanna get pretty far away from that kid. I don't know about you guys, but like when I'm around kids like that, sometimes I'm just like, okay, like, goodbye. <laughs> you know, you're not my problem. And then sometimes when it's even my own kids, sometimes I'm just like, oh my gosh, like do I really have to deal with this right now? Maybe you've had that similar experience, maybe that's just me, but when we're around really polite kids or kids who are very like respectful, I think that it draws our attention. Like we're like, wow, that's actually a really kind kid. Or there's kids at school that will welcome your child and be a good friend to them. And you're like, who was raising that kid? That kid's awesome. So we've kind of seen both sides of it. And the reason that I kind of started thinking about this topic is because Ben and I were talking and we were just talking about how things have been a lot more difficult in ministry lately. Sometimes, like, we almost complain a little bit about what's been going on with the world today and how things have been um, not quite the same as we're used to in ministry. It's been a lot more challenging trying to connect with some of the teenagers, and we just feel like we kind of aren't really doing anything. So we've asked God a little bit of questions during this time, to put it lightly, of, like, why is this happening, God? Like, why are we still dealing with this pandemic? Like, we know you have the power to kind of take it all away and to deal with all this stuff, and why is it still happening? And I think during these times, it can be easy to question God. Sometimes we even start to doubt that he even has a plan or that he's even in control at all. And our spoiled attitude starts to tell us that maybe we deserve better than this or maybe we shouldn't have to walk through this season or it's, it's below us to have to walk through this season. So today, I want to talk about when we become spoiled kids. I think we all have a tendency to be spoiled at times in life, if we're honest with ourselves. I think that sometimes we might have a perfect plan or a way that we think things should go, and sometimes things are going really well and we're like, everything's going according to my plan. Everything's going awesome right now. And then all of a sudden something comes in and totally derails it, and then we're left thinking, what the heck? This isn't what I planned. Maybe it's something really bad that throws a wrench in it, like this whole coronavirus pandemic. Or maybe it's something that just we didn't like. It's not necessarily bad, but we just didn't like it. It, we did, it didn't go along with what our plan was. So this topic that I'm talking about, about being spoiled kids, it kind of reminds me of a story in the Bible, or a guy in the Bible, actually, specifically. A lot of us have heard this story before. Maybe you've been in Sunday school, and you've 
heard the story of Jonah. Um, Jonah was a prophet in the Bible. I'm not going to go into the whole story. Probably how he's most well known is because he was eaten by a fish. And then he was in the belly of this fish for three days before being spit back up onto land. A lot of us have heard that story. But that's not the part I'm going to be focusing on today. Jonah was a prophet in the Bible, and so that meant that God would speak to him, and he would go to God's people and tell them what God had said. I'll give you a little bit of background on the story just to catch you up on it. Jonah was an Israelite, and there were these enemies of the Israelite people called Assyrians. They had this gigantic city called Nineveh, and they were the enemies of Jonah and his people. So because of how evil they were and because of the things that they were doing, God decided that they needed to be punished. They needed to be destroyed. But because he is a gracious and loving God, he wanted to give them a chance to repent, a chance to turn away from their sin. So he told Jonah, I want you to go to these, your enemies. I want you to go to the city of Nineveh, and I want you to tell them what's going to happen if they don't turn away from their sin. I want you to tell them that they're going to be destroyed if they don't turn away from their sin. Jonah doesn't like this idea. He's like, no, those are my enemies. And immediately he decides to rebel against God. He says, I'm going to go board a ship. And he goes the opposite direction of the city of Nineveh. But God, as we know, is in control. And he doesn't take no for an answer here. He actually sends a gigantic storm to overtake the boat that is has Jonah on it and these people. And the men who are sailing the boat, they're like, okay, we're going to die. This boat is going to break apart. There's no chance of our survival. So they're calling out to their false gods and asking them to please save us. Save us, God. But then they tell Jonah, why aren't you calling out to your God? Jonah was sleeping. They're like, why aren't you calling out to your God to save us? We're going to die. Don't you know we're going to die? And Jonah wakes up and he has this realization in that moment that it's because of him that this is happening. He's like, I, he must have had a little bit of a guilty conscience or something happening. He's like, it's because of what I did. This is why this is happening. And so he tells the men that are sailing the ship, just throw me into the sea. If you throw me into the sea, then everything will be calm and you will be okay. So they try on their own. They're trying to sail you know, to shore. They're, they're rowing and they're trying their best and they realize there's no hope for them to do it. So they do what Jonah says. And they throw him overboard and they watch him be swallowed by this gigantic fish. And then the sea is calm and their boat is saved. But as we know, Jonah didn't die inside the fish. He was there for three days and then he was spit up onto shore. But that brings me to my first point. Being a spoiled kid makes you forget what God has done for you. God had chosen to make Jonah this prophet, this man of God who would go to speak to his people, who would share the messages that God had for, for the people. And that was a pretty high position. That was a position of honor. Not, God didn't speak to every single person individually at that time. He spoke to usually one or two people, and those people would speak to everyone else on God's behalf. But Jonah, even though he was given this position, chose to disobey God, chose to rebel against God. He forgot what God had given him to do, the position he had been brought to, and what God had done in his life. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Jonah chapter 2, 6 to 9, and I'll just read it for you guys today. 
It says, to the roots of the mountains I sank down. This is while Jonah's in the belly of the fish. He's having this kind of talk with God. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. So during this time inside the fish, Jonah has this revelation of, wow, I've really messed up. You know, I repent, God, and I'm thankful for what you've done for me. And I remember who you are. He remembers all the good that God has done in his life. And he kind of starts walking through all those things and thanking God for those things. He has this heart change in this moment. He thanks God for delivering him from drowning, basically, because he was sinking down, it says, as he's praying. He said he was sinking down, and then this fish swallowed him up. And he sees that as God's deliverance, even though I'm pretty sure at this point he doesn't see how he's going to get out of the situation. He probably expects that at some point he's going to start to become digested. When we were spoiled kids, we might go through a really good season in life. Maybe everything's going really well, and we feel like we can really tell where God's blessing us. We're thankful for what he has done, and we're just living life, and life looks good. But then we go into a season that we might not be the the happiest about, and we start to forget. Maybe we actually, like Jonah, we forget the calling he has for us. We're like, this is too difficult, God. I can't be who you want me to be. I can't do what you've asked me to do. It's too hard. You forget the calling that he has for you. Or you forget how he has provided for you in the past. You forget that he has, you know, provided finances or provided food or provided shelter. You forget how he's blessed you. And sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom before you remember. Sometimes it takes that correction or that thing that comes in and disrupts your everyday normal for you to remember and turn to God and say, thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for your deliverance. Jonah is in this situation right now. He has literally hit rock bottom. I don't know if there's a much lower place you could be than inside an animal about to be digested. He's pretty sure this is kind of the end of his life and he's making things right before God before he is pretty sure he's going to die. He thanks God and he praises him for the things that he's done. But as you know, probably from Sunday school, that he didn't die inside the fish. He is vomited up onto shore and God gives him another chance. He says, go and tell the people of Nineveh what I told you to say. And so in that moment, Jonah remembers what he said to God inside the whale. He's like, okay, yep, I'm going to be obedient, God. You've given me the second chance. I'm going to go forward to what you've asked me to do. So he goes to Nineveh and he starts walking through this big city. It says in the Bible it took him, it takes three days to walk through it. So it's a really big city. And he starts walking through and he starts proclaiming the words that God has told him to say. He says, turn away from your sin, turn to God, repent, and you will be saved. If you do not repent, you will be destroyed. And I'm pretty sure at this moment, he isn't expecting the people to listen to him because he is their enemy. He's probably just like, well, God, I don't know what these people, what you expect these people to do. I don't know why these people would listen to me, but I'm being obedient to you. This is what you asked me to do. 
However, he, they end up doing something that Jonah didn't expect. And we pick up our story in Jonah chapter 3, 6 to 10. It says, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God and let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So the people of Nineveh changed their ways. They repented, which basically means they turned the opposite direction from where they were going, and they turned their hearts back to God. God saw their hearts, and he recognized that they were truly repentant and that they had turned back to him, and so he didn't send the destruction that he had threatened to send. So it's a happy ending, right? This is usually kind of where the story of Jonah ends off, especially in Sunday school. It's like, Jonah was obedient, he didn't die in the fish, and the Ninevites turned their hearts back to God. Happy ending. But there's actually a whole other chapter in the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 4, which is kind of where I got the idea for the sermon for today. So we pick up in Jonah 4, 1 to 4. But God had had compassion on the Ninevites, and Jonah was actually angry at God. In Jonah 4, 1 to 4, it says, But to Jonah this seemed very wrong. He became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. God, uh, I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah basically tells God, this is why I didn't want to come here. He's like, these are my enemies, and I knew that if they turned from their sin, you would forgive them, and I didn't want that. That's why I didn't want to come here. I may as well just die. I don't even want to be alive anymore, because this isn't going how I wanted it to go. Jonah knew that God was going to forgive them, and Jonah's plan and God's plan just didn't line up in this moment. Which brings me to my second point. Being a spoiled kid makes you forget that God is in control. So God's plan for the Ninevites was for them to turn from their sin, to, to repent, and to have salvation. Jonah's plan was for his enemies to be destroyed. Their plans did not match up. Jonah, Jonah in his spoiledness, forgot that God's plan is what is most important. How many of us in our own lives me included, we just go ahead with what we think is best. We forget to in consult God at all on what our, our plan should be, where we should go. How many times do we walk forward into something and we just don't even want to know what God thinks about it? Or even like Jonah, how many times do we know what God's plan is but we refuse to go towards it because it doesn't line up with what we want? We decide that we know what's best and that God couldn't possibly have a plan for this situation. Jonah knew what God's plan was. He had experienced God's grace in his own life. He, 
talked about God's grace. When he was in the belly of the fish, he talked about how God was gracious to him. But he didn't think that that same grace should extend to his enemies. Which is why he decided to follow his own plan and ignore what God wanted him to do. And then when things didn't go his way, even after he had been obedient, things didn't go his way, he actually wanted to die. He was not happy. These were his enemies, and God was giving them a second chance. Point number three is being a spoiled kid keeps you from thinking clearly. And we see this in Jonah 4, verse 5. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. So this is after God has relented. This is after he had decided, I'm not going to destroy Nineveh. Jonah is still expecting God to destroy Nineveh. He's still waiting to see the destruction that God is going to bring. But he isn't thinking clearly here because Jonah forgets his own sin. He forgets his own rebellion against God. He forgets that he had done something so bad that God had to intervene by actually swallowing him up into the belly of a fish. And during the time when he recognized God's grace, he knew about that. He had that clarity. He was thinking clearly. But then after he goes and is obedient, he doesn't think clearly about it anymore because he doesn't want Nineveh to receive the same grace he did. If he was thinking clearly, he would realize that if all evil were destroyed, he would be destroyed. Because he is evil as well. He wasn't painting himself with the same brush that he painted the Ninevites with. And this happens to us all the time as Christians. I think if we're honest, sometimes we walk through our Christian life and we're like, okay, I was here, but now God has brought me here. And we forget all the in-between. We forget all the things that we did, all the ways that we messed up. And then we stand in judgment of people who are just starting their walk. We stand in judgment of people who've made different mistakes than us or who don't know Jesus yet. We look back on them and we think, wow, God should just wipe them off the face of the earth. I don't understand why he puts up with that. You could look at any situation today, maybe even what's going on in the States. There's a lot of people I know that are very angry about what's happening, that are in judgment of, of both sides of what's happening. But we don't know where those people are. We don't know what God where they have been brought from, where they are, if they're just starting out. And we stand in judgment of them. And like Jonah, we stand on the sidelines waiting for their destruction instead of warning them. And we can't clearly see them how God sees them because we don't have his heart for them. God has a plan in every season and he's trying to grow us. He's trying to show us things clearly and teach us lessons clearly. But when we're acting like spoiled kids, we can't see that. And we can't see people clearly for who God made them to be. And instead of thinking unclearly, we need to ask God, what do you have for me in this season? I know it's difficult right now. I get that. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. But God, what do you have for me? What do you want to teach me? Who do you want me to love? Who do you want me to see through your eyes clearly? In order to obtain what God has for us, we can't just be like, God, okay, whatever you want me to do in this season, whatever you want me to grow in, just do it. You have to be content in every season. You have to be like, God, I'm going to go through this with obedience, 
and I'm going to turn my heart towards you so that I can have what you have for me right now. And we need to remember that God has shown us grace just as he wants to show everyone else around us grace. Point number four, being a spoiled kid makes you devalue what is truly important. Jonah chapter 4, 6 to 10 says, Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and ease his discomfort. This is when he's sitting outside the city. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you didn't tend it or make it grow, and it sprang up overnight and died overnight. God is once again being gracious to Jonah. He's trying to show him through something that Jonah can understand. God tries to tell him that although he didn't create the plant, he didn't plant it, he didn't tend to it or water it or care for it, he was still sad when it died. And God was saying later on in that chapter, he says, how much more do I care about the 120,000 people that live in Nineveh? How much more do I care and love them when I created them and I watched them grow and I love them? And yet Jonah was sitting there waiting for their destruction, just willing them to all die. So much so he didn't even want to warn them that they, what, what was coming for them, the destruction that was coming for them. And he wanted to watch it happen. God was trying to get Jonah's heart here. He was saying, look at what you're doing. You care about this plant, but you don't care about these people. I made these people. Jonah had lost sight of what was important. He had valued this plant that was bringing him shade, but he didn't value the people that God created. When we are spoiled children, we tend to not value what's really important. We tend to look at things that have less value, like temporary stuff. For example, maybe your house has some repairs that need to happen, or maybe your car is breaking down and you just want to get a new one like all your friends seem to have. Or maybe you just didn't even want to work today, or you hate your job, and you're like, ugh. And we just tend to look at these things that, we, that don't actually have any value in eternity or any value past even a few years. I was talking about this with the youth kids um, on Friday night. We were talking about how sometimes you'll get something that you really want. Like, um, I was giving the example of our old iPad. We had this, like, old iPad that was, like, so great when we first got it. And we took such good care of it, and we were like, we had saved for it, and we got it, and it was great. And then a few years later, it kind of stopped working well, and so we like let the kids use it for their games. And now it has like a big crack in the screen, and you can't even update it because it's like so old. And so it's this idea of we put so much value on these things that are so temporary. And in a few years down the road, we're not even going to remember that we cared about those things. But we tend to not value the things that God values, which are more permanent. We tend to devalue what is really important and value what is more important, less important, sorry. And I wanted to close off today with God's response. 
because we know he is our dad. He's the perfect father. And his response to us when we're acting like spoiled kids is still to love us, just like any good parent. But like any good dad, he doesn't want us to continue to act spoiled, right? When you're a good parent, you see your kids acting spoiled, you don't just run away like I was joking about at the beginning. You deal with it, right? You don't want them to continue to go down a path that's not good for them. In Proverbs 13, 24, it says, Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. And then Proverbs 29:17 says, Discipline your children and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. God wants to bring discipline and correction into our lives when we're spoiled. Not because he doesn't love us, not because he doesn't care about us, but because he loves us. He wants us to be doing the best that we can do. He wants to set us on the right path, like Jonah. Jonah was on the wrong path. He was going the wrong way. And God had to send correction. It wasn't pleasant, but he had to send correction to get Jonah back on the right path again. He wants us to be children that are content in every season. Showing love to others and not forgetting the good that he has done and how he has blessed us. He wants to, us to value what's truly important. And he wants us to know that he has a plan and trust him in that. That he knows what's most important. Let's not miss out on what God's plan is for us because we're acting spoiled. He doesn't want our discontentment and our lack of connection with him to avoid or to diminish that relationship that he has with us. He wants us to grow closer to him even in hard times. If you look at this in the example of parenting your kids, any parent who's here today, you know that when your kids are thankful and content and joyful, it's a joy to parent them. You love spending time with your kids when they're respectful and when they're thankful for what you've done. But when they're complaining and discontent, it doesn't make you not love them, but it makes it a lot more challenging. It's exhausting when you're constantly having to bring that direction and that correction all the time. And it can be hard on you as their parent, as they watch you go through, you watch your kids go through the consequences of their choices the consequences of their sin, or the correction or discipline you've had to bring. Sometimes it hurts your heart more than it hurts them. So let's not be a kids that God has to discipline all the time and constantly bring correction. Let us be kids that are a joy to parent, that God just looks down, in the, and even in the difficulty, even in the hard times, he sees us praising him. He sees us thankful for what we have. We still bring our requests before him with humility, but we're not complaining all the time. And we're doing our best to line up our heart with his heart. Let us be kids that accept that he's in control and trust him and follow him. Maybe we have different ideas of what things should be like or we have different plans than him, but we trust that his plan is better for us. And that he knows what's really important. And let's reject the temptation to stomp our feet or cross our arms or throw a tantrum that requires God to discipline us or correct us. 
God allows things for his purposes in his timing to produce his results. I've heard a lot of people joking about how 2020 is cancelled. I've seen it all over Facebook and Instagram and everyone's like, 2020 is cancelled, I'm kind of done with it. I was on board with that up until like a couple weeks ago, thinking I'm just kind of done with this year. You know, there's been so much bad stuff that's happened in the world since January. There's been jokes about it, but in reality, there's a lot of people that have been suffering. I wasn't quite at the point where I was like, God, I want to die like Jonah. But I was definitely complaining about stuff enough. 2020 is not canceled. It's an opportunity for us to show people how God's kids react in the face of difficulty to show love to people around us and to not be beaten down or dragged down by the difficulties and the stress and the things that are happening in the world. To encourage each other. To show compassion on people and make our dad proud. To encourage others and love them well. To leave an impression on people where they might ask the question, what is it about those church people that makes them so joyful all the time? What makes them so fun to be around. I kind of want to be a part of a family like that. So, church, let us walk faithfully through every season, not just the easy ones with joy, but even the ones that are difficult. I'm going to close in prayer, and then if you guys have prayer requests, I encourage you to Type them into the chat, and we're going to close in worship today. Dear Jesus, I just thank you so much for your message to us today, God. I thank you that your heart is that we would be children who are joyful and content in every season, God. That you would have us reject the temptation to complain and be unthankful for what is happening in our lives and in the lives of those around us, God. I pray you would show us, whether it's through correction, God, or through just the softening of our hearts of how we can be content and joyful in this season, God, even though there's so much going on around the world today that is so hard to take. God, I pray that you would just show us how to walk forward, not as spoiled kids, God, but as obedient children who love you and follow you and trust you as our Father. Be with each one this week. And uh, I pray that you would speak to each of us and show us how we can grow closer to you this week. In Jesus' name.